listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Welcome to another episode of She Rises. I am your host, Giovanna Caposa, and today I'm here with a very special guest. Her name is Lily May, and Lily May is a PR powerhouse. She is the president of Lily May PR and the creator of the Glambitious Empowerment Network. Lily May has dedicated her efforts to empowering, recognizing, and supporting entrepreneurs of all facets around the world. From London to Egypt, she has connected with women through podcasts, books, masterclasses, innovative events, empowerment tours to provide them with unique resources that would elevate them professionally and personally. Having emerged from very humble beginnings in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, to becoming a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill, Lily May also travels the country as a motivational speaker, empowering people of all facets to overcome obstacles, face their fears, and live the life of their dreams. In 2016, she hosted her signature all-white brunch tour in Miami, Atlanta, Charlotte, and Washington, D.C. This woman is a powerhouse. I can't wait for you guys to meet her. Here she is, Lily May. Hey, Lily May. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on She Rises. Hello, I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, so tell us a little more about your amazingly interesting career. You know, when I first found out about you, of course, online, like everybody else does, and I I did a little bit of research, and it's quite extraordinary what you've created as a businesswoman for yourself, especially in a difficult business like PR, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story and how this all began and where it originated from. Sure, sure. So I um, went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And while I was there, one of my professors told me about a really cool internship opportunity in the public relations department of Universal Motown Records. And so I applied for the internship and got it. And and I spent a whole summer in New York in their PR department for the record label. And so that was really the beginning of my interest in public relations. And so um, after school, I moved to Atlanta and my first job was the PR director for an emerging magazine. And then a couple of years later, I decided to launch my own PR firm. And so here we are. That's kind of the long story short of it. (laughs) Wow. And so how exciting was that working for Motown? I mean, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, my God, that's like a dream come true. It was a dream come true because I'm a, a very small town girl. So when you, you know, consider that and then you, you know, put me at 21 years old in the city of uh, New York, living in Manhattan, it was beyond, I mean, it was beyond a dream. Like you would have celebrities coming through the label every day and the uh, publicists that I interned under really took a liking to me. So they would, you know, take me to a lot of outside activities, you know, that they normally probably wouldn't take an intern. And so I really got some amazing experiences and interactions from that internship. Amazing. Give us like one or two of your like favorite memories or moments from that time at Motown. Oh yeah, totally. So um, probably, I guess my, 
most exciting moment was I uh, was helping with a listening party for Eric Badu, the neo soul singer. And so, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm just a lowly intern. You know, she's not going to, you know, notice me or anything. It was a very intimate listening party. And, you know, Erica Badu actually spoke to me. And so, you know, she talked to me and she just, you know, told me, you know, not to lose myself in the industry and talked a little bit about the challenges. And I was just totally blown away. Like, I cannot believe she's talking to me. So that was definitely um, one of the very exciting experiences. And then another was um, there was a, a major producer. And in that time, he was, you know, really huge. And I think he's pretty big still. But back then, this would be the year 2002, maybe, there was a producer by the name of Manny Fresh that was really, really popular. And so the publicist that I worked under allowed me to like travel with them for a day and hang out with them for a day. So instead of doing a car service, he wanted to catch a cab. And so we all piled in a cab. And then on the way to Sony Studios, he wanted to stop at Old Navy. And he's like a big time celebrity at this point. So we stop at Old Navy and everyone's losing it. Like, oh my gosh, you know, Manny Fresh is here shopping like on a random day. So that was a really, really exciting experience. And he talked to me some too. So it, it was really awesome. That is amazing. I mean, I'm just thinking back to like what I was doing at 21 and it was nothing like that. And, you know, the question that comes to mind is like, what impact do you think that had on you later in life, having, you know, been that young and exposed to, you know, that level of fame and that level of success and, and achievement? How do you think that impacted you? That's a great question. Um, I think it definitely help develop my, my thirst for a fulfilling career that involves excitement because, you know, I, I got a, a really close up glance at how exciting that type of career could be and how much fun it could be. And so that's, you know, definitely what really truly honed my interest in public relations was having those exciting experiences. And, and it really, you know, propelled my ambition to, to do really well because it was just so much fun and so engaging. Yeah. And I mean, and I can see from your, you know, online profile and obviously your, your, your credentials and, and places that you've appeared and had your clients appear that you have had the opportunity to continue to work with successful people and to kind of rub shoulders with people that are in high achievement, that are, that are doing amazing things in the world. And so talk to us a little bit now about, you know, being a woman in business and maybe um, some challenges that you've had along the way and how you've overcome those. Yeah, you know, um, I would definitely say one of my earlier challenges was just, you know, having the confidence to to pull the trigger on ideas without overthinking it. And so I feel like that's a pretty common uh, challenge for women in business is to kind of overthink things because we're huge thinkers, you know, so we're we may be less likely to take the risk than our male counterparts sometimes. And so early on, I've worked through those kinks. So now, you know, when I come up with an idea, I pull the trigger on it very quickly and I move forward with it very quickly. And so through the strategy calls that I have with other women around the country, I also encourage them to do the same, like take the risk, you know, take the step, move forward, you know, uh, don't overthink things, don't think yourself out of ideas, but, you know, just take the chance because some of your biggest and, and most successful moments, you know, will come from that idea that you were probably a little nervous to, you know, move forward with. So I would say that was one of my earlier challenges for sure was just having the confidence to, to move quickly when I had an idea and not overthinking it. That is such a great point because, I mean, I've struggled with that and I see that with my, you know, clients. And you're right, it's as women, we sometimes get caught up in this uh, self-doubt and this overthinking of things. And, 
you really spoke to a powerful piece, which is if you have an idea, it's like take the risk, go for it, and you're failing forward, right? And so there's no success without failure. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to grow comfortable with the possibility of something not working out. And I just look at it as when things, you know, don't work out, there's a lesson in every, you know, situation that didn't necessarily work out. So it's almost like business school, you know, Um, that's how I look at things. So if something doesn't work out in business, I look at it as like a lesson similar to business school as you learn different, you know, lessons as it relates to business. So I just try to pull out the lesson and everything. And like you said, fell forward and just learn those lessons and try it again in a different way, but never, you know, give up or just not take the chance. Yeah, absolutely. That's like one of the things uh, as you were talking that I really want to make sure point out here is that precisely what you just said, like they're really the only failure lies in if you take the risk and you don't get the lesson and you just keep doing the same thing over again and you don't get the lesson. You know, that's the only true failure is if you're not getting the lesson. But if you're getting the lesson, you're taking the risks, you're moving forward. You're right. It's just like a living, living classroom, right? This is how we learn. Exactly. And, and I think also we have to realize that every step counts. Sometimes we're looking to make, you know, this big, huge leap. And so, you know, we don't acknowledge the tiny steps that it takes to get to that big win, you know, and I think it's important to celebrate your small wins, you know, celebrate every opportunity, every step forward because it counts and, and you can't just, you know, hope for that big one, big, huge win, but just acknowledge your progress and every step that takes you there for sure. One of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about was this topic of visibility. Of course, as a PR expert, you are responsible for, you know, putting people in the limelight and for increasing their visibility. And visibility has been, you know, my edge in the past, and it's the edge for a lot of my female clients. And what would you say is the, I guess, primary hiccup that women in particular encounter when it comes to promoting themselves and and PR in general? Sure. So I do think uh, some women may be a little uncomfortable with promoting themselves and they may even overthink that. Like, you know, I don't want to push my my own things too much or I don't want, you know, to overwhelm people or post too much on social media or, you know, and I think that you definitely have to be your biggest fan and your own biggest promoter for sure. And then I would say, you know, when you have the budget, definitely consider working with a publicist because they can take it to the next level. And so with PR, you know, my job is to get you larger platforms of exposure, which help solidify your digital footprint and help really add more credibility to whatever it is that you're doing. So when someone Googles your name and they see that you were interviewed with Forbes or USA Today, it really, you know, helps to to add more leverage to what you're doing. And so I think, you know, it's a, a really great opportunity if someone has the budget to get a publicist to kind of take it to the next level. But if you don't, don't be afraid to be super consistent with your, you know, promotions of your business, with your social media posts, and even, you know, maybe getting some do-it-yourself PR tools, which we actually have at glamboss.org. We have do-it-yourself PR guides to help entrepreneurs do some of the things that that I do, basically, um, to help them get to the place where they can afford a publicist. So, Um, Don't be afraid to promote yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's such great advice. And it sounds so simple, but it it isn't for some people. Like some people, I find, you know, female entrepreneurs that I've coached in the past that are just at the beginning stages. And I I remember this from years ago when I first started, you know, my own service-based industry. It's sort of the edge there where it's like, oh my God, I can't, I can't toot my own horn. It's like somehow we're taught, like we can't promote ourselves. We can't 
overly speak amazingly about ourselves. But I love that you said, like, you've, you need to be your own number one fan. Because how's anyone else going to buy you if you don't buy yourself, right? Absolutely. Like, 100%. Like, you know, I think it's a good thing to post your wins, you know, it adds. And that's all a part of brand building as well. You know, some people wonder, you know, how do I build a successful brand? Well, you have to let people know about your wins that helps to cultivate a successful brand when they see that you're, you know, interviewing with She Rises podcast, or they see that you've been the recipient of an award or that you were able to do something amazing in your industry, it really, you know, adds to your credibility and your, your brand recognition and your esteem. So you definitely have to, you know, hone in on that confidence to, to toot your own horn for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we're definitely going to put the website in our show notes, but if you could give us just for the listeners listening in, what is your number one, let's say, do it yourself PR tip for the female entrepreneurs listening? Sure. I, I would say um, my number one PR tip would be to, if possible, get to know some of the media in your area or media that speaks to your target demographic. So, you know, sometimes people, you know, think, oh, I, I just want to be interviewed with Forbes or something like that. But if you, you know, connect with bloggers that have a platform and their platform reaches out to a certain number of, of your target demographic, you know, don't be afraid to pitch yourself to those bloggers. Um, pitch your story, you know, make sure that it makes sense, but, you know, actually build some media relationships yourself because that can go really, really far. And, and don't discount the small smaller media platforms. When you're um, starting out in that space with media, definitely, you know, look to see like what blogs is your target demographic tuning into and reach out to those ladies and or men, <laughs> but, you know, reach out to those platforms and pitch yourself to see if you could share five or six tips about whatever it is that you do or give some insight or, you know, add some value to what they're doing in their platform. So that's probably be one of my, my top pieces of PR advice for sure. Great. That's a great tip. Adding value and, you know, starting local and even starting small if you have to and just seeing where you can be of service and add value. I love that. What do you think is probably the biggest mistake people make when they're trying to promote their business or their brand? I would say how I put it anyway, I, I kind of, you know, there's a, I think a saying about preaching to the choir, you know, and so I think people tend to promote themselves to the same group of people, you know, like they're, they're posting on social media or they have an email list. And so they just keep pushing their services to that same small niche of people that they've, you know, uh, built through the email list or social media. And I think it's very important to come up with creative ways to reach out to people beyond your immediate network. Um, because what ends up happening is you're preaching to the choir. So they keep seeing your services over and over and over. But it's important to find ways to reach a larger demographic of people outside of your immediate network, for sure. That's really interesting, because they say that you know, I think it used to be that people needed to see something like, I don't know, three or four times before they would click on it or, or, you know, be somehow initially sold. And now it's like seven or eight touch points, right? Um, it, our attention span is, is so bad now and we're so distracted by so many things. So what I heard you say is like the same people seeing something over and over again, where we used to think like, oh, that is how you sell. That is how you market. You're saying, actually, no, it's probably better for you to branch out and get fresh eyes. 
Yeah, or really, I would say both, um, because you're 100% right. Like, it definitely takes people a few times to see something before they are moved to action, but don't just solely rely on that, you know? So I would say, really, it's a, a combination of both Both would be your best bet. So it's definitely okay to promote to that group, but don't, you know, get stuck with just promoting to that group that you've already built in. Definitely find ways to, you know, reach out to other demographics so that you don't find yourself stifled in business or find yourself wondering, you know, why business isn't growing and things of that sort. So probably I would say to do a combination of both. Do you find that business owners tend to sort of pigeonhole their services? Like they get like a little narrow focused in what they have to offer? I do. And, and so there's, you know, it's kind of a catch 22 because you definitely want to be an expert at whatever you're doing. And so sometimes it does take you focusing on just a few services so that you could be the expert in that. But then on the other end, I think it's a great thing to have, you know, multiple services. So, you know, if someone can't, for example, if someone can't afford to hire me as a publicist, I also offer PR consulting. I also have created PR books. You know what I mean? So I think uh, as entrepreneurs or business owners, you definitely want to hone in on your your skill set, but then kind of think outside the box a little bit to see what other areas that you can use your skill set and, and monetize it and offer people some value as well. Yeah, so I heard you say like kind of have a menu of stuff that you offer, which is something I always advise my clients to have as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Tell us now, since we're talking about, you know, being your number one biggest fan, what would you say has been your number one success, something that you're really proud of? Um... I'm definitely proud of of being featured on a a few prominent media platforms. So um, Huffington Post, I was recently featured on Huffington Post for the um, licensing program because we license different eBooks and masterclasses for other women to sell to their network. So I was really proud of that. And I was also interviewed with Black Enterprise. So um, those are, are kind of two prominent media opportunities that, you know, I've had recognizing the work that I do for sure. So those two things definitely excited me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, often people like stop there and they say, well, that was really awesome. You know, I got recognized by these two people. But what we don't actually stop to acknowledge is all the hard work that had to go into being acknowledged by these two bigwigs in, in the industry. And so, you know, to me, that speaks to and like anyone else listening, when you have an achievement like that, it's it's never about necessarily the goal or the outcome. It's who you've become in the process. And who do you think you've become in the process? I mean, you started at 21 with Motown and like, you know, having all this experience that was amazing, big city, like you said, small town girl, big city. And to now where you have your own business and, and you're, you're still getting recognized by these very prominent publications, what is it that you're most proudest of about yourself? So now just internally, what have you cultivated within yourself? I think I'm definitely proud of the confidence that I've, you know, um, garnered along the way for sure. And I also have uh, materialized like this internal desire to help other women. So I really get excited by creating resources and opportunities to help other women achieve their dreams as well. And that's something that just, you know, was kind of, I guess, birthed through my journey. Like suddenly I began to really get excited, you know, to help other women. Um, So I'm, I'm really proud of that because I feel like oftentimes we can, you know, definitely be so focused on our own, you know, journey and our own success and our own goals. But, you know, I I feel proud that 
I find a way to, you know, take my skill set and take the the creativity, my inherent creativity and leverage it to help other people, because I feel like we should all be of service in, in some way or the other. So I'm very proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you think that comes from in you? Like, did you see that modeled for you in a parent or in your community growing up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my mother, you know, she's my biggest inspiration, obviously. And, and she is one of the most giving and service oriented people like you will ever meet in life. And so, you know, my entire childhood, I, I saw her constantly giving, constantly, you know, being a resource to people or helping people even to this day, she's always trying to help someone in one way or the other, or, you know, uh, fulfill a need that they have, or, you know, that's just how she is. And so I think that's probably where, you know, what sparked that, that desire in me to also help people in any way that I could for sure. What a great role model. Yeah. It's always great when we have people in our life that are modeling for us, those great ways of being in the world, right? Which being of service is the number one way to a make yourself feel better stop focusing on your own problems and your own self but also to creatively give back and it's sort of the law of reciprocity right what you put out there will come back absolutely um i am super keen on the law of attraction and so you know karma and all those things and so i definitely feel like you know when you do anything from a really genuine and good place and, and to help other people in any way. I feel like you're definitely, you know, sowing good seeds of karma that are going to come back to you, you know, in the end. So, you know, it's the ultimate law to live by, the, you know, like you said, the law of reciprocity for sure. Yeah. So tell us, what are you up to in the next 90 days? What does the new year look for you? That first quarter of the new year look like? What is, what's exciting in your world and what are you up to? Yeah. So uh, we have a new book. It's called Glambitious Guide to Greatness, and we'll be featuring 30 co-authors. And I'm really excited about that. It's going to release on January 1st, 2018. Um, and it'll be available on Amazon and, of course, our site, glamboss.org. And basically the purpose of that book is to uh, inspire women in different ways areas of life. So not even just business, but also personal. And every chapter will be a woman sharing how she overcame something in her life. That could be a divorce, you know, that could be uh, business or financial loss or, you know, confidence, so many things, you know, domestic violence, just anything that could possibly affect a woman. We have a co-author that's going to, you know, contribute a chapter of triumph. And so I'm really excited about that because I feel like, you know, uh, sometimes when women have their own struggles, they forget that there are other women having that same struggle. And I think it'll be like a super awesome tool of inspiration to, you know, inspire any woman, no matter what you're going through personally or professionally, you can overcome it. You can definitely get through it. Um, and in addition, we're doing a tour in 2018, um, the Glambitious Empowerment Tour. So I'll definitely be working on those plans and we'll be going to New Orleans, Los Angeles, Charlotte, Washington, DC, of course, Atlanta and Miami. So, um, those are the, the two biggest projects that I'll be working on the next 90 days. I love it. Love it. Love it. And I love especially the theme of that book, which is basically the theme of this show is like, what have you overcome? Like, where has your triumph been? And I really do believe that, you know, every human being, and of course, this show's dedicated specifically to women, but I have male listeners as well. And I know everyone has gone through one, two, three, sometimes multiple stories of triumph. Where would you say, or where would you credit your story uh, of triumph? What have you felt like you've overcome in your life to get to where you are today? Well, you know, um, as a child, I grew up in a very underserved community. And so, um, you know, it was a, a very, very underserved community. So, you know, 
for transportation for us for many days would, would be like public transportation, like actually riding a city bus. So, you know, coming from that upbringing where, you know, it was just very humble and, and very, you know, modest upbringing, you know, everything from there to me has been a triumph. You know, me getting accepted into UNC Chapel Hill, you know, the internship opportunity, you know, where I've elevated my business and brand to today. So, you know, I look at the entire journey is, you know, uh, something to be proud of because I came from such, such humble beginnings. You know, my parents weren't well off. No one invested in my business. It, it really all is kind of a, a ground up story, um, which I think make, you know, some of the best success stories is when you can show that you created everything or, you know, with the help of God, I am a spiritual person. And so, you know, that's my, my story of triumph is, is literally coming from nothing and, and creating something from nothing. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes when people meet me or they see me, they have a certain impression, you know, because I'm, you know, very upbeat and polished and, you know, I love sequins and things that dazzle, you know, I'm such a girl. so, you know, they have no idea the journey that it has been for me to get to this place, you know? So, um, yeah, that's my story of triumph, just coming from very humble beginnings and creating something from nothing. And, you know, I'd venture to say that there's, there's even a little, like probably a little more in there because you've become such a master of doing what you do and a master of creating opportunities that sometimes, you know, in our own mastery, because it's our zone of genius, we don't actually see how we did it. But was there a mindset, do you, do you feel, or was there a way of looking at the world that was different? Because there's people that have come from very similar, let's say, background that you have, and they're still stuck in a story of I can't, or it's too hard, or, you know, the system's against me, or whatever it is, right? Like, we all have our own stories that we put on ourselves. If you dig, like, a little deeper, do you, do you think that there was a mindset or a, a, a way of speaking to yourself or thinking about the world that was different that allowed you to you know, be in the right place at the right time and have these opportunities and work as hard as you've worked. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, my parents really early on, you know, they, they really gave me a lot of positive feedback. You know, anytime I did something well, they really gave me a lot of positive feedback. And so it was, I'll attribute a, a really a large part of it to just inherent ambition. Like when I would see my surroundings and, you know, just, you know, how unsavory those surroundings were, even in like fourth grade, I knew that this wouldn't be my forever, even, you know, at the age of, of nine and 10. And so, you know, I think at that young age, I developed the mindset that that would not be my forever, you know, and I think it's important even as an adult, you know, because there are adults, like you said, that kind of get stuck in a mindset. You have to realize that you are the creator of your existence and of your reality right now. Like we're not children anymore. You know, when you're a child, you're really, you know, you kind of get the, the cards that you're dealt. But as an adult, you can change today. All you have to do is change your mindset. Like your mindset is where it begins. And so my mindset has always been that this moment is not my forever. Even now, you know, like people attribute me having a certain level of, of success. But for me, I still feel like this moment is not my forever. There's so much more, more to get. And so I think that mindset is what helped me keep pushing and keep dreaming and keep trying and, and, and not stop. It's just, you know, this, this moment is not my forever. I love it. That is the tweetable for this episode. This moment is not my forever. And I love it. It just speaks to the power of decision and realizing that you are the creator of your, of your destiny. And it just comes from choice. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Super powerful. I love it. Well, I, I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up this show. I really appreciate and thank you for being on this show. I love your energy and I love what you're creating in the world because you're really inspiring a whole other generation of women to just, you know, go for what it is that they desire and live that dream, whatever that might be. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to she podcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you'll love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 